Hey everybody, before we get started on today's show, I wanted to tell you about Built Bars. The protein bar tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, flavors, chocolate, nut flavors, nut-free flavors. It's really chewy, really delicious. So if you're looking for something to get your protein, maybe a meal replacement, you're going to want to check them out. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Don't forget, LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined, as always, by Adam Matas. Adam, Giannis's account got hacked. It was kind of nice. It was like Giannis, like hack a Giannis in the playoff time. It was, oh, it was, my it was goodness. Hey, I can't believe you went there. This is ridiculous. It's a good joke, but it's it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that was bad, man. I feel bad for him. That was, that was, I that actually was nasty. Really, I felt even worse. After his apology, he apologized for something he didn't even do. I know. He probably felt, well, it's weird. And like every athlete that posts something they didn't want to says they were hacked. With him, it cle- he clearly was <laughs> hacked. I don't think there's anybody on earth that's yeah. like, I think he put those out there. But, you know, it's one of those things where if it was you, I'm sure he is like, guys, nobody's going to believe me. Yes, Giannis, we all believe you. That, that, yeah, it was, it was far <laughs> enough out there. It was like legitimately offensive stuff and stuff that Giannis would never, ever say. In a million years. Right? Like when people roll their eyes about somebody saying they were hacked, it's because like the stuff that they say while they were quote unquote hacked is stuff that you kind of feel like they are thinking anyway, right? But, yeah. but in this one, this was just clearly, definitely a hack situation. Uh, today's show, we have NBA teams getting ready to get back in the practice facility. So Adam and I are going to discuss that there, you know, Mark Cuban is still very uh, openly and publicly concerned about, you know, the, the Mavericks getting back to work and teams around the league getting back to work. Uh, there are executives and players and officials around the league who are concerned about the psychological element of getting back to getting back in the gym and, and, and resuming uh, basketball activities. Uh, so we're going to discuss that in segment one. And then segments two and three, we're going to play a fun little game here uh, where I'm going to give Adam a player, a star, a player, whatever, young player, oldish player, and he's going to figure out the kind of team to build around that player, uh, viably speaking, right? Like we could all just say like, well, here's perfect role player X at a minimum <laughs> salary, right? We're going to actually figure out the best way to, to, to do that. That still abides by the rules of the CBA. Uh, let's start, though, like I said, uh, the, the Lakers are tentatively saying they're going to get back in the gym a week from today by the time you guys are listening to this. Uh, the Cavs are going to be in the gym today. Uh, I believe the Portland Trailblazers and the, and the Denver Nuggets are also getting ready to get back in the gym. Uh, but even while they're doing this, there are people very openly and publicly pub, uh, you know, voicing their concern about returning back to work. How, how are you taking all of this as you've been able to see it. To me, it is so indicative of the sort of time that we're in that nobody seems to know. Nobody seems comfortable. First of all, there's the, yeah, we're going to open it up and it's not mandatory. Well, do players want to go there? Is it going to be a you know thing where everybody's feeling comfortable? Some people we're going to talk about it have expressed that, you know, it's not a good idea and they want to abstain from anything that's not, you know, that they don't have to. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel really weird about it. I just, I feel like we don't have a very um, good sense of what the risks are. And, and and so as teams start to go back into the facilities this Friday and then a lot more teams next Friday, 
um, it just it all feels like a real moment of uncertainty for everyone. I think it's interesting that Cuban in particular is voicing concern, right? Because he's held liable. He's he's the owner. He's he's one of the people who, if somebody contracts coronavirus when everybody resumes activity, he's the person who will probably have to fit fit that bill. And uh, not just in terms of the medical costs of of somebody contracting it, but also like morally speaking, right? If 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 you're if you're pushing a, somebody to get back in the gym, and and to be clear, this is all. Uh, it, 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 none of this is, is all of this is optional, right? If a player is comfortable getting back in the gym, they are allowed to get back in the gym. But if, if you open up your gym and we get somebody else contracting it, the people who are going to feel the most responsible are the people who gave the final say so here. So I, I really understand where Cuban is coming from. Cuban also, you know, has enough money to maybe feel like he could ride this out. Not all every owner does, and I think you're going to yeah. get a lot of mixed sort of uh, perspectives on that. And I don't think it's necessarily. You said that Cuban might be on the hook for medical bills or so that he might very well volunteer to help or do these different things. But yeah. you know, if the NBA is ultimately would be the one deciding that this was a go ahead and to do this, so it, it would be a real quagmire if they could, did get into that situation. But I think you hit it about the moral thing. It's just. I think everybody feels uncomfortable about, oh, you can't go in unless you have, if you, your temperature is below 99, I think 0.1 degrees, Shams reported tonight. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be messing with that? Somebody comes in with a 99.2 temperature and you're like, oh no, what do we do? Is this right? And they go, oh no, I was just in the sun. I mean, there's just so many logistics. Is that even headaches. within, is that within like the, the realm of error? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the margin for error? <laughs> exactly. And you just, I mean, nobody, so I think more than anything, it's, hey, is the league coming back? Because if so, then let's start ramping towards that and let's have a roadmap. Is it not? Then why are we doing this again? Why are we starting to bring people in? And mm-hmm. has this been well thought out, especially if it is a situation where New York, New Jersey, Miami, um, you know, some of these other cities, California, some of these other cities, maybe their, their runway is going to be a little bit longer with this. So um, to me, it feels really weird. But that's not saying anything. The last eight weeks have all felt weird. There's been a lot of things. This is just the latest and maybe the, the, the weirdest for the NBA. It just seems very, very strange. It was also interesting while all this was going on, Ramona Shelburne reported that somebody from a team reached out and told her, as much as anything, this is actually to, to help the mental aspect of those players who were just stir crazy at home who haven't been able to play basketball in a long time. This doesn't necessarily have to be seen as progress towards the NBA resuming, but just, Hey guys, if you want, if you want to, cause for a lot of people, basketball, endless numbers of athletes have cited their playing field as an, as a escape for, for them from reality. Yeah. And so for, for those who see it that way, here's an option for you. You can come in, you can see your teammates. You're, they're going to be at the other end of the gym. You're not going to be able to see them, you know, face to face in terms of, you know, they're going to be at least six or 14, whatever the number of feet it's going to be that you're going to be away from them. But, but here, here's this off opportunity to just kind of come in and get away from home for a bit. Cause I'm sure a lot of people, myself included, frankly, I, I would love to be able to get out safely. It's just a matter of actually feeling safe, which is something that, that uh, Baxter Holmes is reporting that, that, that like he said, there are a lot of executives who either consider themselves germaphobes or there are players that uh, they kind of see as germaphobes. And there was one uh, Eastern Conference executive that told Baxter Holmes they aren't a germaphobe, but 
even they're a little nervous about going back to work. Well, I think we're all germaphobes right now, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, like, so I, yeah. when, people don't know this. My site, DNVR, we purchased a bar. We have a bar that we opened on March mm -hmm. 13th, roughly 36 hours before bars in Denver were closed. So we <laughs> have a bar that we basically worked all this thing and launched and then it, it closed up immediately. But I went there for the first time since quarantine began and, and, and walked around. And one, it was just great to be outside of my house, as you mentioned. I think I was gone for a total of five or six hours today, and it was it oh, was wow. weird because I hadn't been yeah. out of my house for more than like a grocery store <laughs> run and back yeah. for for two months. So I totally understand this idea of like just seeing other people and being outside and seeing a different, you know, uh, uh, part of the city or whatever. It really yeah. did feel like, oh man, this feels nice. And then, but then also you talked about you know, what are some of the risks? I know everybody said only this certain amount of coaches. I think it's six coaches total. And then there's mm -hmm. rules for how many can be at the gym at the same time and players and this or that. But even today I was at the bar with some partners, social distancing, stayed apart. But even at one point, somebody tried to come up and give me a high five today. And it was one of those weird moments where you're like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. Like, so as well-intentioned and maybe as low risk as some of the things are, it's still just a very uncomfortable time because we're all still sorting out what, what risks are worth taking and what aren't. And this one just seems like I, I, if there was more of a, this was step one in a five-step process, it would make more sense to me, but it just doesn't feel that way just yet. Yeah. I, uh, the, the problem is that we're going to figure out what we're actually comfortable with as we get comfortable with it. It's not going to be maybe. the kind of thing that we can just, we can just say like, Hey, this is what I think I'm going to be comfortable with, or this is what we're all probably going to be comfortable with. No, that's, that's not really how comfort works. You're, you're comfortable and then you aren't, <laughs> or you aren't comfortable, then you are. I think tomorrow we're going to get a, a lot of, and my hunch, and I'm, this is just yeah. a hunch, but I, I do think we're going to get some sort of announcement tomorrow. Of course, Adam Silver in with the uh, NBA Players Association meeting mm -hmm. tomorrow. I think that expecting a lot of players on this big conference call, which Adam Silver will be a part of. So I, I suspect we're going to start to get some either details, hard details, or at least some sort of hint about some of the things the NBA is thinking about the next steps. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, let's take a quick second here. When we come back, we're going to play this game. We're going to, I'm going to give Adam, I put together a list of about 10 or 11 players here uh, of, of, of guys who are at various stages of their careers and what kind of team we can realistically try to put around this player that would, that would optimize the player that this, that this guy uh, might actually be. So let's take a quick, take a quick second, uh, come back and, and get back to that. All right. I like this music, dude. <laughs> we don't normally we don't normally record to the music. I don't get to hear it. And then, you know, I, I get to bob my head as I as I put the ads back in. It's a fun little song. <laughs> um, all right. So did I do a good job of explaining the game? How it was your game, it was your idea. So so put us through what we're gonna be doing here. You put I'm I'm the guinea pig here. I'm the one giving the answers. You're gonna give me a player. I'm going to mm -hmm. talk about how to build around that player, like what the ideal fit. And of course, the NBA, it's all about compromise. Everybody would, oh, yeah, yeah. you add a LeBron, you add a, you add a, you know, this <laughs> yeah, right. piece and that piece. And the, no, we're going to try to be somewhat realistic and say these are the prototypes that, that I think would be ideal for said player. I'm just going to come out and say it. My least favorite cliche or phrase in sports is that a, a, a team is one player away. Oh, yeah. Because yes. that player is Michael Jordan. <laughs> every single team is one LeBron away. Yeah. I made the joke two years ago. I said, I said, the Nuggets are just one Kawhi Leonard away and nobody got it. They just started arguing whether that was true or not. 
was just like, <laughs> it's like, all right, I guess it wasn't that good of a joke. We got we got to lighten up everybody. All right, so the first player that I have on here is Zion Williamson. What does the ideal mm. team look like around Zion Williamson? Man, that's a, that's a good one. Zion, <laughs> he's so unique. He threw me a hard one right away because there's not a prototype. It's not <laughs> like, oh yeah, we know what works with this guy. He's so out of the out of the box. Um, I think you start in the front court because he's going to be a four. He might be a small ball five, but I think he's going to play mo- primarily at four and maybe mm-hmm. be a death lineup five type. Um, yeah. But I think whoever is in the front court with him is probably going to have to be able to stretch and open up the court because he can't. Um, mm-hmm. So you're looking at some some five that can stretch, that can shoot the three, um, you know, rebound, block shots, do that that kind of thing. Um, but primarily he's probably going to have to be somebody that's out, out stretching the paint. So maybe you're talking about a – you know, a uh, uh, Serge Ibaka type. Maybe you're talking about like Brooke a Brooke Lopez. Lopez is to, yeah, who's turned into something. Although Lopez, I don't know, might be might, that might not be. Maybe you need a little bit more mobility. Yeah. Um, I think your your three and your your two and your three are probably your role players in this lineup. Mm. I think those are your defenders. You would hope that they can shoot, just because every player you want to have as much shooting on the court you, as you can, and yeah. Zion can't. So I think you want some defense and so, and just you know your role players guys there slash or whatever. I think your point guard is your other guy though. I think I think your yeah. team around Giannis is your your one and your Zion 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 sorry Zion and your point guard are your two players. And I think you want a lot of speed. You want some length and you want a great uh, somebody that can throw the lob and is just a real pick and roll scoring threat. So that Zion can you know you put him in that pick your poison situation. The numbers so far this year, I believe, really bear out that uh, that Zion has actually played really well with Derek Favors, uh, mm. who, who's who yeah. can actually kind of step. He's right. underrated in his ability to step out and hit hit shots, and yeah. then uh, you know protects a rim well enough. I right? think the offensive rebounding was the thing for them because I think it yeah. was something absurd, Anthony and my guy Christian Clark at Nola.com. I w- wrote the piece on this that it was some like 60% of offense available offensive rebounds were grabbed by those guys. So typically, you know, 25%, 30, yeah. you know, 30%, you're really hot. 60%, more than half of the misses were offensive rebounded. Mm-hmm. Um, it, those two guys just beast on the board. And it's funny, the offensive rebound loss went out of style for a while. There's people were did. transition defense, this or that. But teams that can just dominate you athletically, you don't have to worry about transition defense because you're grabbing yeah. every board. It's a version of transition defense, right? Like you can't leak out that's when true. you have to come yeah. back and try to gain gang rebound. A hundred percent. That's fun though. I, do, how close do you think New Orleans is to putting this kind of team around Zion? Well, Ingram's a heck of a talent. So right now they sort of have that Ingram Zion would be the guys that, that you look at. And I think that it's very doable. Ingram's really grown as a playmaker. So maybe that mitigates mm-hmm. a little bit of this point guard um, need. I love, you know, I'm a huge Lonzo guy. Um, but I don't know what the other pieces, Jackson Hayes, you know, favors those guys. I don't know if those guys are the answer at the five spot. Um, mm-hmm. Drew holiday. I don't think is the answer long-term. So, um, I would say maybe half halfway there. I think Ingram's right. Lonzo's probably a role player. Yeah. You, you got to fill out the one in the five though, probably. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting what they do with drew. Cause he very clearly doesn't fit that timeline. Right? Yeah. 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 And and so can you can you get something in return for Drew Holiday that that fits this timeline a little bit better? But also because Drew I, Drew's one of my favorite point guards in the league, so what what they're able to get for him is going to be fascinating to watch. All right, uh, the next one here has been a, a popular topic uh, during the quarantine because Golden State Warriors bloggers are just 
insanely I'm a Laker fan and I think these guys are just insanely thirsty for Giannis. It's it's been wild to watch. Uh so latest career Giannis, the we're saying like a year or two from now. Okay. What kind of player what kind of players you think you need to put around Giannis? So what's interesting is I think the Bucks have other done than really the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I think the Bucks have done a really good job of this though, Anthony. I mean I that so team really is a good Giannis team. There's a lot of length. Um there's smart players. There's guys that know but, you know, I always think about this. Giannis is a LeBron type. He's a do-everything type, right? Like, he's he's not just, mm-hmm. oh, he's going to score your points. He's going to do this. He's going to play defense. He's going to distribute the ball. You want to stretch him out. What I think really works alongside that mold is a one-on-one killer, like a Kyrie, like a Dwayne mm-hmm. Wade. It, obviously, those guys are superstars. But I think <laughs> – I look at Middleton, and I think he's a really good player. I think he's underrated. But I don't know if he's the same type of one-on-one creator – of a Kyrie Irving type or, you know, a Dwayne Wade or something like that. So I love Chris Middleton, but maybe a little bit more of a one-on-one threat that is sort of the counterpunch to the main punch, which is the Giannis spread pick and roll, um, you know, domination. Especially given how much Chris Middleton is making. He's paid really well. Yeah, but he's and, a really good player. I think he's a, no, no, I, he's I know, a classic but... underrated, really, really good player. But no. I agree. I would love for the Lakers to wind up with a Chris Middleton. It'd be fantastic. But uh, I think if you're going to have somebody paid that much and they can't quite create their own shot I mean, the way yeah. that you would you would expect, I, I think it does kind of hurt the the team contractually speaking. It, it 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 really necessitates you finding that from somebody else, and that player at that point is going to be a really flawed player because they aren't going to be they aren't going to be another max player so i think that 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 it it really complicates what you're going to try to be able to do after Giannis, after chris what what's that third player going to look like and how's that player going to be paid like mm-hmm. i look uh, i think a team's going to figure it out because Giannis is really good and i think he wins a championship <laughs> at some point I, I think that's a pretty safe bet he's 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 making it into the club that we had last week he's making it into the club <laughs> Uh, next, next one. We'll do one more here before we before we get to segment number three. Trey Young. Oh man, you're giving me some tough ones, man. Like, <laughs> all right, number one, you're going to have to have a lot of defense, and especially, I think for Trey Young, the most important second player on a team is going to be the center. I think mm. you have to have a defensive monster in there. Look, Trey is the most physically disadvantaged defender in the NBA it his size helps him in some ways offensively. It's a really nice way of saying he's a terrible defender terrible <laughs> defender in a way that I don't think he can overcome right like yeah. he's always going to have these limitations but you know if you have a Joel Embiid or a Rudy Gobert or just one of these guys that can really protect the paint it guys even if they can get around you they still don't want to because they know there's a, you know a monster mm-hmm. and they're ready to protect the rim so i think first and foremost you're gonna have to find an elite rim protector um and th- those are hard to find i mean those are a premium yeah. every, every team wants to find an elite one might rim be available protector. though who, who are we thinking go bear oh okay I, you, yeah you could make an argument even for Embiid after a year a couple of years Maybe. i mean who knows but um yeah so i think that's your most important spot and then i think the trey young system actually you would probably end up having a handful of just three and d type players on there you're gonna have your danny greens and um if you really create a super team Maybe Herder turns into a Clay Thompson type. I don't see it, but defensively, but you know, he's a really a phenomenal shooter. So I think that type length shooting and then the center has just to be an absolute stud. Yeah. I, I, I agree with all of that. Uh, it's just a matter it of so perfect, can you... Anthony. <laughs> 
Well, since since we already kind of alluded to it, let's do this really quickly. I had Gobert on my list. So do you think Trey Young Gobert? Can you have a? Can you put the proper team around those guys? If if that was something that happened, I don't. I think Gobert is too one dimensional. I I think your team. Look, Gobert can win a, tie, a championship, absolutely. But I don't David, know that do it's not sh- listen to this. Or if you do, this is Adam speaking. Yeah, just to be absolutely clear. I, I I don't know that Trey and Gobert are the one two punch. That, uh, to me, that that's a one two three punch. Like yeah, those two plus a third you know, really star level player, which, Hey, it's not absurd mm-hmm. in today's NBA. Most champions do have a third star level player, but I think that's what it would take a Ray Allen, you know, like, mm-hmm. like on the Celtics as the third wheel type guy, something of that nature, that, that caliber of star. So um, it, it wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick second here. When we come back, we are going to pick right up where we left off. I have another fun one here. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how Adam feels about this next nominee. This reminds me of my trip to New Orleans. I want to go back. That is such a fun trip. Have you ever been to New Orleans? Been twice. Oh, love it. It's Good my city. Great American city. favorite American city, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. All right. My next nominee here. You ready? Mm hmm. Luca. I think this is Luka. easy because Luca's really good. I mean, like there's a he's there's a wide margin of error here for Luca. Okay. Uh, obviously, you want to have an athletic rim rolling center because his style of pick and roll, you give him an offensive threat. Um, here's Dwight Powell currently, and mm-hmm. it was a, and it worked. So you find yeah. the A version of Dwight Powell, and you you're you're really cooking. Um, you know that could be a DeAndre type. I think obviously having the defensive element as well. You know your prime DeAndre, not your current DeAndre. Um, but the lob threat would probably be really high on that list for me. Um, and then again, like, like most of these guys defense at the rest of the spots, you're going to want to have enough shooting around them. You're going to want to have some defense. The one piece I would say the, the, the other like sort of talent that I think you have, I think you're in your backcourt. You need speed because Luca's great. Mm. And he's got a lot of that, like, you know, pick and roll and tight spaces, great footwork. But I do think the counter punch for a Luca is going to be, um, you know, the A version of a J.J. Berea. So Berea, you know, can work really, really, really nicely as that change of pace. But throw the A version out there, your Kemba Walker or something, and I think that creates the second punch out of the pick and roll that would really help. You're talking to the guy who once thought Ramon Sessions was the key to winning a Lakers championship. <laughs> <laughs> so you're all about the speed. Bring, bring, back, bring back Ramon. Uh, <laughs> Luca's good though, man. I mean, you could the there. You don't have to have. I think with Trey Young, you have to have the perfect types. I don't think with Luca that's the case. I think you have to have. There's there are certainly types you have to have, but there's a lot of those guys. I'm not. I'm not saying you undersold it. I'm just saying this for the lack of a better term. But you really have to hammer defense here with Luca. He's. I think it's something he's always going to. Like he's going to be such an offensive feature. He so much is going to be expected of him on the offensive end that I'm not sure it's really even fair to expect him to be, you know, even close to a league average defender. Cause I'm not sure he'll ever be that. Uh, so you really have to, like, I think your point guard probably has to be a big ish point guard who can switch. Right. Um, and, and, and you need to have teammates around Luca who are ready for him to be hunted. Cause I think eventually that's going to be something teams do, but he's 21 years old. He just turned 21 and sure. he's already helped this Dallas 
offense, which I think is a good team. And there's some good pieces, but it's not by no means great. And they're already historically great offensively. No, so I, I, I agree with you. You need to have some defense to elevate you. But again, the margin for error, I don't think you have to be the bad boys Pistons. No, because that team's going to be so dynamic offensively. Yeah. Um, but but I am with you. You do the length and the defense at that three four spot in particular, um, or or two four if Luca ends up playing the three. Okay, uh, let's go. I'm, I'm going to skip the one that I had previously. Uh, Post Achilles, KD. Oh man, <laughs> that, one, that one could be almost anything. I'll tell you what, man. I'm excited to see what Kyrie and him do because it's not how I. That's not how I would have built I the want roster. Them to be a reality TV series. I want them on my TV all the time. That's two elite <laughs> isolation players, though, man. Like that. That's yeah. going to be a really fascinating team because those guys can get buckets on anyone. I don't know if that works, but. Um, you know, look, KD's like Luca. There's a wide range of players that can do a lot of the things. I it, it's weird because I actually think there's certain players that are the system, and then certain players that are sort of the like system breaker. And KD's mm-hmm. a bit of a super system breaker. Like I don't yeah. think it's like you know let's put four shooters around KD and let him do this thing. I think it's more of a you're going to probably want a really good pick and roll point guard. You're probably mm-hmm. going to want to have some defense inside so. He, Kevin Durant can be like the roaming four, you know, small ball four or whatever. Um, but I think KD is more of the counter punch. It's really your main option is your guy, but it's more like you run pick and roll with these guys, and then you swing it over to KD to go one-on-one with against these guys. So uh, great pick and roll player, good defender inside, um, and then guys that don't need too many touches because KD's going to take a lot of them. Yeah, I, I'd say you run your offense for about, you know, 10 to 14 seconds or whatever it is, and then – if that doesn't work, then you throw the ball over to Katie with eight seconds or so on the shot clock. And yeah, you try to, you try to create an advantage with, you know, in the first eight seconds, meaning you try to create a mismatch or you try to create the defense scrambling or whatever. And then, yeah, then you swing it over to, to Katie who, even if the defense isn't scrambled, he's, he's, that's a great offense. But if you get this defense, a half step beside uh, behind before swinging it over to Katie, then, then it's over. Steph Curry. (laughs) <laughs> well, we already know the answer to this, Anthony. He's 32. A... He's oh, 32. you're saying going forward. Okay. Well, yeah. all right. You know what I would say? I would say I would keep Clay. Okay. I would probably, you know, um, I'm not a huge Wiggins guy, but you know what? Let's keep him. <laughs> Why not? Let's keep Wiggins, okay? Let's find a center out there who can pass the ball. And you now basic have $5 things. to work with. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what? I'm getting rid of Wiggins, then I'm getting rid of him as well. I'll bring it in. Just your 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 typical average three, your guy yeah. that can just do average three things, and then I'm bringing in Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> that was a thing we specifically said we could not do. Yeah. No, you actually want to know something interesting. I've thought about this in Denver. I wonder if Paul Millsap is a good Draymond replacement because Millsap does a lot of the stuff Draymond does. Not as well. They're both old, but you know Draymond has been a pick a piece of that team. He's he, you know, he, 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 he's important. Can you get a guy like a Paul Millsap for one year and just say, Hey, we're not paying you a whole lot, but this is a chance to win a championship. And now we have some money to spend elsewhere to try to go make yeah. the five or the three, a little bit of a better player. So, um, I, I mean, the formula out there is already out there for, for Steph. You want to have a lot of high IQ players. You want to be able to pass the ball and you're going to have some shooting around so that his gravity just breaks defenses. I want to see, Ben Simmons on the Warriors in some way, shape, or form. There you go. I mean, that's another example. Like he's a super Draymond. Are you kidding? I mean, he, yeah, he he would. Be, yeah. So, uh, would you be willing to part with like a Clay for that? I think so. 
Hmm. Actually, that's a really fun. That's a really fun trade scenario because I, I think mean, at, that at makes that point, a, you don't need Wiggins and Draymond. Like those guys have to, you know, that doesn't yeah. make sense to have them. But if you were just saying like, what what's what's our foundation? Simmons and Curry. Okay, we can figure out the rest. Yeah, I like it. Let's do a couple more here. Uh, we already kind of alluded to them, but Joel Embiid. What's the perfect team around Joel Embiid look like? Man, that's a really interesting one. I think a lot of shooting. You know, he's nice because he's going to make your defense good almost no matter what. You're going to want to mm-hmm. have smart defenders around him. I think, um, you know, uh, I think a, a strong-minded point guard would be really good for, for um, Joel Embiid. Explain what, that. Well, what I mean that by that – a couple things. Well, what I mean by that is I don't think Embiid – is the best decision maker, but mm-hmm. he's the, he's the, he's sort of the alpha dog on the team. So when you're on the court, you're going to play to his strengths and you're going to do what you want, but you need somebody like a Chris Paul that could say, no, man, stop popping on this pick and roll, roll to right. the, roll to the damn rim. Cause you're going to get on the post or no, we're not posting you up right here. We want you to do this action first and then we're going to post you on the other side. So I think you need that kind of strong minded guy that can look to him and say, I'm not going away from you. I'm just not doing it the way you think you should. We're doing it this other way. Cause this is the way that makes you more efficient. I like it. I the 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 Sixers is a fun landing spot for Drew Holiday for me. I I, I, <laughs> I would I would like that concept a lot. I don't know how it would happen. It would probably it would probably, you know, does that do you like do you send Drew over there for Drew and maybe some? I don't change think Drew for, shoots though. I mean that team is in some desperate need of some shooting. Um, I, well, I I think they kind of. This offseason for Philly is going to be fascinating because either one of Simmons or Embiid probably gets moved or they move they just clear the books around those two and and try to start from scratch which I'm not really sure you can do at the stages of the career of their careers that those guys are in because mm-hmm. you, you, as they've built this team right now like you said they are desperate for shooting and they have a guy in Ben Simmons who literally will not take three-point shots and, and so so you know, if you losing JJ Redick was a big one, uh, I I I really feel like that was probably the biggest underrated loss that any team took this year was because yeah. he he offers he makes up for evens out the shooting that that Simmons doesn't offer and they didn't really do enough to to replace him and and like Tobias Harris and and Al Horford uh, it really makes their front court really clunky. So I don't know. I don't know how they would be able to to clear the books around those guys, but I think they're kind of going to have to. I think speed is also another sort of piece to the equation there because you think about a lot of teams trying to switch. Well, you know, if you have speed on the court and in shooting, you can't just put a bunch of bigs out on the court. You're going to have to have some guards. So if you can force some of that guard big switching, beat's going to kill you inside and on the boards. Um, so some some quickness around the perimeter so that you just basically can't switch against them. All right, you have your choice in this last one before we wrap it up for the night. Oh, nice. You can either do, huh? I said nice. All right. So you could either do Anthony Davis on a post-LeBron team or your boy Jokic. Of course, my guy Jokic. Are you kidding? That's what do you think I was gonna pick? Are you are you, are you insane? <laughs> I Anthony? think I think post LeBron AD is a much more interesting oh, one, but on. sure, no, be a homer. Not. Anthony, you think he's interesting? Um, all right, so <laughs> Jokic is fascinating because I mean, you already, I mean, you're talking about a guy that can play a bunch of different styles, be your main option to number one. I, I, another, uh, you were about to say positions, and I was about to fall out of my chair. Well, Jokic can play more <laughs> positions than your average center, he can also play point guard. Um, okay. so, uh, I think, um, 
first and foremost, I think you have to have some offensive rebounding somewhere in your front court. So either at small forward or power forward, um, Jokic offenses stretch defenses out. Um, they stretch him out as much as just about anybody in the league. You have to cover a lot of ground. You're going to have to switch because he's a ball handler in pick and roll and bigs just aren't mm-hmm. used to guarding pick and rolls up top. But you need to, the, the counter punch to that is you have to have somebody that's in there to really punish and, and grab the offensive boards and defend. I, I think a Tristan Thompson is sort of an interesting guy mm. in that regard. Like he's a guy that can guard, he can move his feet, he can be versatile. But if you, you, if you try to switch off of him, he's just going to go and eat boards. I actually, you're going to laugh at this. I think Michael Porter Jr. is a pretty darn good player alongside him. You have to be able to shoot the three. He's going to be a Laker, but sure. Yeah, you have to shoot the three and you have to be able to cut. He's very, very good at both of those. But your backcourt, you got to have some defense. You got to have some length. I think, uh, you know, a Shea Gilgis Alexander would be a great partner, I think, for Jokic. Um, And then just, you know, Clay Thompson would be like the ideal length, shooting, moving off ball, cutting, all that stuff. Um, But you got to have some some defense in your backcourt because Jokic can be a very good positional defender, but you got to be able to trap the ball up top and you have to be able to contain dribble penetration so you're not hanging them out to dry. Would you value shot taking and shot making ability? No. Why? Alongside Jokic? Yeah. No, not 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 very much at all. Okay. I, I feel like it's 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 one of the league's most underrated talents at this well, stage. Well, the Nuggets I think have a, they, this Jokic team has a really good one. His name's Jokic. He's <laughs> an incredible shot maker. It's just, and he's also look, he's a seven footer that can, you know, like Dirk before him. If you he can get him on the block because he's just so big. I mean, he's people don't underestimate how his size. I mean, he's a big big guy. But yeah. that also works for you as you're trying to post up. It's hard to get around him. And he's just like Dirk. He's He can get to that spot and shoot the fall away or the jump hook. And it's one of those shots that nobody blocks. So he yeah. can always get off a decent shot. He's among Next the league winners. leaders. <laughs> he's among the league leaders in uh, abilities with floaters, right? Like he, he hits oh, like no, one of the Oh, no, I think he's number percentage. one by like 10%. His, like, yeah. his shot from the floater range is, is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like Jokic. Who do, all right, last thing before we get out of here. Who's the easiest NBA player you can think to build around? Man, that's a that's a good one. It's got to be – I mean, it's got to – right now it's it's tough because LeBron is old, but I, I still think it's probably a, a LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he can just do – he can just do so many so many things. I, I think past LeBron, man, that's a, that's a really interesting one. Kevin Durant before the injury, probably, probably him too, just because you're going to have a good offense even if you have terrible <laughs> offensive players. He's having a system breaker. And it, I think Luka is, is up there as well. Zion might very well turn out to be one of these guys, but he's just so unique and so different that I, I think we still kind of have to figure out how those strengths and weaknesses translate. But Luka, I think, would probably be another one. He, he does so many different things that you can build a good defense around him. I want to see the kind of defender that Zion turns into over the next few years. Because if, if, he, if he turns into, you know, if he goes the route of being like a super Draymond, right? Or, or I don't like saying super Draymond because Draymond was pretty damn super, right? But, but if he approaches defenses as just like a super switchy defender who doesn't move his, doesn't lose ground, if any, which like, by the way, like nobody's going to be able to move him in the post, right? Yeah. So if, if he... So can can he protect the rim in any way, shape, or form? Uh, if he turns into that kind of defender, I think he becomes my answer. 
I, I really it's just, think so. yeah, it, yeah, it's just tough with him. And part of this is Biggs, and this goes back to the Jokic question. Biggs, even though Jokic plays point and brings the ball up the court, most of the time he still needs somebody to set him up. Like he still needs somebody mm-hmm. to throw him the ball in the post or give it to, run pick and roll with him or whatever. And the same is going to be true for Zion. Yes, it could be easy to build around him, but if you don't have a good pick and roll player, then who's it throwing the lob? Who is it turning the corner and doing all these other things? If that player's not up to snuff, then you lose a little bit of what Zion does. But look, there's a reason he's probably the most untradeable player in the NBA. So I, you're, you're probably right that he is a, a pretty easy guy to build around. Yep. All right. That's going to do it for this episode and this week's episodes of the Locked on NBA podcast, all brought to you by uh, BuiltBar.com. Head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Have you had these? On. Delicious. I did. They're really Chewy. good. Yeah. Uh, use promo code locked on to save 10 bucks off your first offer. Again, that's builtbar.com, promo code locked on. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you guys next Friday.